Today on Locked On Red Wings, it's rumored that the length is an agreement between Dylan Larkin and Steve Eiserman, but how much should he make per year? Also, previewing the game against the San Jose Sharks. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And on today's episode, guys, we are going to talk about the Dylan Larkin contract update. I don't know if we can really say an update, but it's kind of a good opportunity just to rehash that conversation we had in the offseason as now halfway through the season, very little has come out. Um, But we'll talk about that and talk about comparables and what he should be making or what we believe he should be making. And then also um, previewing the game against the San Jose Sharks, the second of two this season. But Scotty, to lead off back with the Dylan Larkin thing, to set the table, give some context to the listeners. Ansar Khan of MLive wrote an article today uh, asking the question, how much should Dylan Larkin make? And in the article, he cited that Steve Eiserman and Larkin seem to be in agreement on the term. Eight years, the maximum you can give a player who is your own. If you hit free agent market, another team can only give them seven. But if you're signing a guy that's your own to a contract, you can give them a max of eight years. That seems to be fine. That seems to be agreement. I don't think that was ever in dispute. I think at this point, Dylan Larkin was looking for a long-term contract, but it's the number, uh, the amount of money he makes per year that is up for debate, according to Ansar Khan in this article. And this is where it caught me off guard because the number that he said was Eiserman's camp wanted closer to eight and Larkin's camp wanted closer to nine. And we had talked Scotty about Dylan Larkin's contract situation in the preseason. And we had both after Matthew Barzell had signed his, extension we were both thinking this is the type of money Dylan Larkin's going to make and for reference Matthew Barzal uh makes nine will start making next year 9.15 million dollars a year and so we were thinking that the top end of Larkin's demand would be 9.5 but if this is true and Larkin's camp's only asking for nine that means we at least by our standards Scotty are getting him under what we thought he was going to get how does i mean i'll ask you man how does that make you feel uh you know i uh i mean obviously fine like sure i i don't think that anyone's walking around hearing that number and going like oh my goodness this is the steal of all steals like we're not getting them for four you know what i mean but yeah. like it, it like it's still a, a lot of money that's a top whatever like 20 30 contract in the league like that's and like he deserves to be about there yeah so uh i'm, I'm not looking at it going oh that's you know that's way under what we initially thought but uh, i think more so i'm just kind of looking at it thinking yeah that's that's probably pretty accurate value by both sides because they'll probably come to terms somewhere in the middle of those just depends on which side of eight and a half it'll be on 
I completely agree. I, I think that it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a Nathan McKinnon type deal where he took basically a discount because he thought the team was going to win right then and there. But I think that is absolutely fair value. And I, by no, I think it's unfair of any fan to ever ask their guy. I know T Dylan Arkin's a hometown guy. I, I know he was born and raised a Red Wings fan, but I think it's unfair of any fan to ever ask a player to take less money when NHL careers can be over in an instant. Yeah. So I think it's perfectly reasonable that Dylan Larkin asks for fail va fair value. And honestly, in my opinion, anywhere between that eight and nine million dollar range is fair value, especially when you look at down the road how much this salary cap is supposed to go up. You know, I yeah. think it's only going to increase like one or two million this offseason, but next offseason after that, it's like five million. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I know it by five years on the road, it's going to be $10 million more, which is going to make, if he gets, let's say they split the difference and go eight and a half million across eight years. That is great value for Dylan Larkin. If he continues this pace that he's on over the last two years, which is borderline point per game, obviously injuries squandered his production last season and ended his season eventually. But this season, again, he's just shy of a point per game pace. He's again on pace to break his career high. And this isn't all-star money. I don't want, I, I keep seeing these tweets, replies to my tweet, and these could just be Dylan Larkin haters as they're out there. And I understand it. I believe that on a Stanley Cup contending team, he's not your first line center. I think he's a very good center and a number one center on most teams. But on a team that's like, if he's on the lightning, he's a really great number two center. But you're not going to be the number one center over like Steven Stamkos. It's just not going to happen. That's just not, or Austin Matthews. That does, that's not going to work because those guys are superstars and he's not that, but he is a very good player and he is an all-star caliber player. I'll, granted this year, it's more of, he's an all-star this year because of the fact that the Red Wings need an all-star, but he has had all-star caliber years. And last year he deserved to be at the all-star game. He was playing great. And I mean, this year, maybe my expectations are a little shifted because of the fact that I expected them to be better. And his production is about the same, but anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. Let me regroup. This is absolutely fair value. Eight and a half million dollars for across eight years for Dylan Larkin is exactly what you would expect when you look at his comparables. Matthew Barzell, who I already said, who makes 9.125 is making, has a career point per game of 0.86 across his career. And that's, I think seven seasons long. In fact, I'm looking at that's Thomas hurdle who I'll bring up in a second, but Right now, yeah, he's across, I think he's in his eighth season right now, Matthew Barzell, which is right around the time uh, Dylan Larkins is. They're about the same age. So he's got a higher point per game. Uh, Dylan Larkins is only 0.73 point per game, while Matthew Barzell is 0.86. And so if Dylan Larkin takes slightly less than that, that's fair value. You look at his other comparable that I see a lot online is Thomas Hurdle. Thomas Hurdle has overcome injury after injury. There have been times where they were wondering if he was even worth it, especially if the Sharks heading into a rebuild. His point per game is 0.67, Scotty. But he makes point, he makes $8 million, let me look right here, $8.137 million. So Larkin fits right between those guys in terms of point per game production across their careers. And if you look at Larkin's production these last two years, it's just about 0.8, you know, it's about 1.0 point per game. Like he's like 0.95. So if these last two years are really what Dylan Larkin is, then that makes that 8.5 theoretical that we're throwing out there all the more reasonable. So I, I think it's incredible fair value. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I, I agree, obviously. And uh, I, I think that this is like, you're going to lock your captain up long-term which That's is huge. great. And you are not going to put yourself in a position 
where like like Crosby's contract is like only a little bit more than like eight and a half, right? Yeah. And he but and he did it in like 2013. Like you're not gonna be in that situation where like oh all of our cap is in one person. Like we're not even gonna be close to that. So and then like you alluded to earlier, the cap is only gonna get higher and higher. I I, I think like I I can't foresee anyone having like a huge issue with that amount of money. Like it's it's that's that's a sweet spot. That, that's if it's enough for him. That's fine for like team building and roster building. Uh, I, I I have a hard time seeing any any big downsides to locking up your captain for eight years, and in the present year, it's not even crippling cap money or even close to. Uh, nonetheless, you know, halfway through the deal or or you know seven eight years into the deal. So I, yeah, I have a hard time seeing anything anything wrong with anywhere in between eight and nine mil. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned something there about locking your captain up. And I think that is also an undersold part of it. And I think when we come back, we should continue the conversation about what it means for the culture in the locker room to lock up a captain long-term, to commit to a player long-term, which this team hasn't done to that extent yet. So uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, we got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. How about Brock Purdy, man? That's that was Purdy. How about him? Wow. <laughs> I'm not Ridiculous. the first one to say that one. Uh, we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. It's simple as that, guys. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on, the, on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. All on, app, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. I'm sorry if you bet on the Cowboys. When are you guys going to ever learn? Place your first $5.00. Bet on one and get $150 in free bets, win or lose at fanduel.com slash lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I'm waiting for Scotty to find a way to twist that slogan into a, a fun moniker at the end. Yeah, I gotta, you gotta, gotta work on that. Get in the shop on that one. Yeah, he's gonna be chopping it up in front of the microphone later on, guys. <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's not gonna work. Um, continuing the conversation about Dylan Larkin, more so than the money, more so about his individual play and what he is on the ice, what he is in the locker room. Obviously, he's a captain, he's a leader, and he's grown into that role. Henrik Zetterberg, I mean, Henrik Zetterberg basically groomed him to be captain and groomed him out of this. I wouldn't call him ever at one any point. He never seemed immature. At I mean, on the ice, sometimes when he was like eighteen, there'd be antics. But what eighteen year old doesn't have <laughs> antics, right? Um, but he's definitely matured into that role, and he's a leader in that locker room for a reason. And so I think locking up your captain for eight years, it doesn't just send a signal to the guys that this guy's here to stay, but it sends a signal to the guys in the locker room on the rebuild that we're committing to this core, and that the guys in that locker room are now part of something that has substance the last four or five years, there hasn't been a guy in that locker room. Who's had a contract go past this season. They just didn't Robbie Fabry last season when he signed his extension, Verona, when he signed his extension, but this season was really the end 
up until those guys signed contracts last year. And then this offseason, we saw Cop and Shara, but none of those contracts were eight years. Eight years is a commitment to the future. And if you're committing to a guy that Eisenman didn't draft, but you, the Red Wings drafted in the first round at, what was it, like 15th overall or whatever it was, and this is your guy and you picked him, that's a commitment to the culture in the locker room and a commitment to the core. And I love that if the Red Wings could lock that up because it just reassures the locker room and I think the fan base that this guy's here to stay. And that this course here to stay. And when this team is ready to compete, this is the guy who's going to be leading the way. For sure, yeah. And, and it, I think the biggest thing, like you said there, was uh, the message that it sends to everyone else in the locker room that like the, the standard for just how you act on and off the ice, how you prepare yourself for game day and whatnot. Like, again, like Larkin is not a, not a point and a half, like 115 point in a season you know, goal, scorer, like producer, but um, that doesn't mean that he can't be one of the best examples on like how to carry yourself in, in the league. And that's clearly what not only the, the previous regime saw in Larkin, but the current one did too. And uh, so, so that being a, I think that's the biggest message that it sends just to the, the players that are here now obviously get that message received immediately, but also like every player that then is a Detroit Red Wing for the next eight years. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the whole point. So uh, yeah, I, I think that it is, it's definitely a message that is sent uh, to the players. And I think that that's a good thing. Again, like I'll, I'll take that, you know, none of us are in the locker room. None of us know how all that works and how the, the leadership qualities really translate into into practice and in the locker room and whatnot but um at the end of the day the judgment call of him being the standard is one that that i think everyone is pretty okay with especially yeah. again for for that money <laughs> i mean to wrap up the conversation get it done stevie let's yeah let's get larkin extended and you know if it's between like i said if it's between eight and nine that would be the Goldilocks zone for me. I'd be so happy. I was prepared. I was mentally prepared somewhere between nine and 10, just because of the Matthew Barzal raising that bar because that contract then being comparable in my head, raising that bar. So when I heard eight to nine, I'm like, that is fair value. It's not a, it's not a discount like Matt McKinnon's current extension, but the one he's coming off of, but like that's, you're not killing your cap on a, a signing like that, but it also depends on, and we talked about the fact that, you know, the Red Wings have, what, $35 million coming off the books this offseason if nobody gets re-signed, which obviously that some of them are going to be Jake Wollman, who we will talk about at length in a different episode. Um, but if Larkin gets re-signed, I, I just feel like that definitely is the end for Tyler Bertuzzi as a Red Wing. Not that I want it to be the end. I'd love to keep T-Bert long-term. But just looking at the logistics of it, I don't... And we've had this conversation. I don't think you can sign Larkin, Bertuzzi, and then eventually Sider and Raymond... And eventually, even further than the line, Edmondson. If That's he's a lot of money locked locked up into four players yes. who have yet to prove that they can be on the core of a like playoff team. Period. Even yes. nonetheless, a a deep running playoff team. So I think getting rid of Bertuzzi is just in the cards. I think it makes logical sense. And I get. Yeah, I, 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 I think if Larkin's that. extension, I honestly, I'm at the point now where again, not that I, I'm like campaigning for it or really want it to happen per se. But uh, I'm in the camp now at this point, really where um, I, I think Bert is, is gone. Um, 
whether it's at the deadline. Well, I guess it has to be at the, the deadline. deadline. <laughs> you can't let him walk away for free. If he's not right, traded yeah, at the like, deadline, especially better... if you're out of contention anyway. I will say the but... only thing that really you could counter argue is like Bert has really had a, a lot of reasons where he like hasn't been on the ice a lot of injuries obviously and and there's some slim argument of like hey could you like is his value low enough at this point where because of all of the reasons and because of all the injuries and because of all the time missed where you could like swoop in and kind of lowball an offer and him and his camp would would be kind of pressed to take it because of the lack of leverage because he hasn't been on the ice. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, that, I that's exactly I think what that's I was like the say. only counter argument, and I I don't believe that. So that is like, literally what I was about to say, Scotty. I was about to say you could argue because of his lack of production and inability to stay on the ice, you could get him on a short term, another like prove it contract, so to speak. Like, there's no way. Any team is going to want – I mean, I think if he hits free agency, some team is going to give him five, six years. I think that's just how free agency works. It's a bidding war. Um, but if he stays at the Red Wings and he, like, doesn't like the offers he's getting, he could come back to the Red Wings on a short-term deal, or he could pull John Klingberg and go to Anaheim for one year and for $7 million and just have an awful season. Um, not saying he would have an awful season. That was just a shot at John Klingberg because he's having an awful season <laughs> after trying to get secure the bag this last year. Remember when I wanted him? Crazy. Um, anyways, another tangent. When it comes to Tyler Bertuzzi, yeah, it could it does make sense that because of this season, how it's playing out for him, he comes back on a shorter term, cheaper deal. Which yeah, I mean, I'd be all for. There's just like how many of those are you comfortable doing? Like that seems. I, I think this like next, he's just been kicking the can down the road so often because of injuries that like he's already 27, know. man. Yeah, this would be like the third time he's kind of done that. Second or third time he's done that. Yeah, I mean, 27 in hockey terms is like ancient. um but if they do decide to sell him at the deadline and i want to just throw this out here and it'll be a quick conversation because a vancouver canucks beat writer did say today that detroit is a a team of interest in contacting the vancouver canucks on bo horvat now i know this kind of directly contradicts what i just said about you can't sign larkin and bertuzzi and mort cider and raymond um and also get then bo horvat if you trade Tyler Bertuzzi to them, I know they're asking for three players, one of them being a prospect, but if they're looking based on the philosophy that the Vancouver Canucks have set out, if what their general manager has said, I think it's Jim Benning or is it Rutherford? I think it's Rutherford now based on what their general manager has said that they're not looking to rebuild. They're looking to retool Scotty. Tyler Bertuzzi fits that bill. You exchange two UFAs pending UFAs, both looking to get paid and the Vancouver Canucks go, we will sign you to that contract that you want because we're looking to keep in a, keep our window, whatever window they think they have, which doesn't exist open. Bertuzzi could be a focal point in that trade. And you could be looking at a Verona Mantha situation where Bo Horvat is, I believe a couple years younger. Uh, no, he's the same exact age. He's also 27. He's making $5.5 million a year coming off that contract. And his, career point per game is 0.67 which is exactly what thomas hurdle's making so yes you'd be looking at signing another forward to a longer term contract and we've talked about him before but you're looking at signing another forward to a longer term contract but bo horvat like 
his style of play is going to age better than Tyler Bertuzzi's. I think you're getting the better player. Now, if you have to give up another player and a prospect, it depends on what that would be. Right. That, like, I'm not going to yeah, give up Yeah, my Simon counter Edmondson. is why would they do that then? Because the Red Wings are a team looking to get better now. Like, they're, they're now a team taking looking to take a step forward, at least in my opinion. Not the Red Wings. Forward. Oh, why the Vancouver Canucks would take why that? Why Vancouver would Well, you, it would depend on what other what else you're sending them. So if you're sending them another serviceable player and one of your higher-end prospects, it would just depend, man. I... If you're sending them Bertuzzi, you're not getting Edvinson. You're not getting Casper. Like I, I would float out there a Wallander who has been having but a great that game. Rate, wouldn't you just like kind of risk it and be like, okay, we'll just try and take a stab at him when he's a UFA in four months and hope that whoever he's traded to doesn't resign him. But that's the thing is, I don't think any team is going to trade for him without the knowledge that they can immediately extend him. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. know. There could be a. a there's plenty Tampa, of Tampa, Boston team that just wants him for half a year to help their cup push. And then I could totally him. see Boston going for him. Yeah. Like they're the, the way that their season is panning out, it's cup or bust for them. Right. They're, That's they're and like there's what five, six teams that probably all have that mindset. Yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing our conversation to pay him long term that it could be mutually beneficial to both teams if these players want to sign like extensions it could post for sure it could for sure i just i i struggle to see. i feel like vancouver would rather just sell him to someone who's willing to give them like all pieces like younger pieces for like nhl ready but still like younger pieces for the future than rather than like same age same ish production different style of play it, it depends, man. I don't know. That's the thing. Is no, I, I don't either. I was Vancouver just Canucks are such a weird all. position where there's not. There'll be sellers at the deadline, but they're not trying to sell. They're trying to get assets back that are comparable because they want to try and keep this core. So, like, if they were to trade, if they were to trade Horvat to the Bruins, they would have to. They would want somebody. They would want three players, two of which be NHL ready, one of which be a high end prospect back. And what if the Bruins are going to make a playoff push? What high, what current NHL caliber players do they have that they want to offer for Bo Horvat? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like for the Vancouver Canucks, they're going to be looking to trade with a team that's coming up in their rebuild. And because Bo Horvat has no, no trade clause, so he can't pick and choose what team he goes to. So yeah, for the Vancouver Canucks, for sure. For the Vancouver Canucks tra- uh, standpoint, they don't have to go to a team that's trying to win it all. They can go to a team that has a plethora of pieces in the cabinet like a rebuilding team like the Red Wings. So I'm just throwing the argument out there. I'm probably, it's probably not going to happen, but I thought it was interesting that Steve Eiserman is kicking the tires on this, reportedly kicking the tires on this. So it's a fun conversation. I love trade scenario conversations. <laughs> they're, they're really fun. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about the San Jose Sharks game preview. But before we get to that, I got to talk to you guys today about AG1. This next product is a product you got to use literally every day start taking ag1 because with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all those things Start taking AG1 because it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat gluten-free keto paleo dairy-free or, again, gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Less than one, sorry, less than $3 a day you're investing in your health. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements 
yourself. It's all-in-one nutritional insurance, and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews and recommended by a plethora of professional athletes like the Detroit Tigers' Tarek Skubal. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Let's move on our game preview against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, this te- these two teams have already met once this season, and the Red Wings pounded the Sharks 7-4. to four. That wasn't a stretch in November there, Scotty, where the Red Wings were actually winning games and winning games like they should. Um, yeah. I believe they beat the Ducks pretty handily, too, in that stretch. Lost to the Kings, though, but the Kings are a better team. So when you're talking about the Sharks now coming to Detroit, hometown, hometown team, they're 7th in the Pacific Division. They're awful with the exception of a few players, obviously being Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer, and Thomas Hur- Tomas Hurdle. I mean, I don't care, man. I don't care. This is another game where you got to win. Yeah, it, it is. And, like, just uh, to point out something that we've talked about on, on this show a lot lately, especially the Red Wings' leading goal scorer, is double-digit goals behind the leading goal scorer for the San Jose Sharks. Open the door, let that porcelain sink in. That's brutal. Okay, like I don't care. Like that's that that will continue to be something that that I will I will just highlight night in and night out. Like that's the the thing number one in my eyes that this team needs going forward. And like it it, it really kind of ruins like game previews because i'm just like well we're 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 the better team we probably should and like dare i even say will play pretty solid five on five at least hang with them maybe even play better right but none of it is gonna matter if it's just one of those nights where we can't put pucks in the back of the net and like that's a lot of nights lately and uh like i mean we saw it against arizona Arizona and San Jose are in the same tier, right? We saw it against Columbus. Like, you know, like it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where if, if whether it's one person, whether it's a, you know, a a line, a unit, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, If, if some part of the team is able to, to score consistently that night, then, then we're golden. Like the five on five play has, has, taken some steps from the very beginning of the season when we thought it was going to be, you know, like bottom three in the league, but like it, none of that's going to matter if, if there's no consistent goal scoring and that's just where we are on a night to night basis. Yeah. I think this, the storyline for the San Jose sharks this season though, is obviously Eric Carlson. For um, sure, He leads all defensemen in points by 10 points at 32 years old. Everyone thinking he was a boss. Now, granted, I still don't, He's making like nine and a half million dollars a year. He's making, he's finally living up to that contract. Let's just say that. Um, but at 32 years old, he's had a fantastic bounce back season. I think we talked about this back in the first time they played it. Uh, and he hasn't cooled off. I mean, 62 points in 48 games played, 47 assists at the halfway marker. I mean, he's on point pace for over 100 points this season. Yeah. At 32 oh. years old. 
Yeah, unbelievably impressive. This sure. He's going to have a better season point production-wise unless he phenomenally cools off than he ever did with the Senators when he was considered one of the best defensemen in the league at 32. I mean, if you're the San Jose Sharks, you're looking at this, and I, I mean, I know you're going to have to retain salary because of how much he makes, but a team that a playoff push team is going to want Eric Carlson on the back end with how he's 100%. performing. And then Timo Meyer is a similar situation where I, I don't know. He's a guy they could keep around as a core piece, but also I could see them selling because they're entering a rebuild. 47 he's like points a week away played. from being a 30 goal scorer. Yeah, like, 27 goals. Yeah, he, he could be a 30 goal score before the All-Star break. Yeah, Thomas Hurdle, obviously, as we were already talking about as a comparable, which great. I didn't even intend that as a as a full circle moment. But Thomas Hurdle. You admit that? Because I'm take every, credit. Everyone knows I'm not that smart, Scotty. Come <laughs> well, on. Everyone knows you I'm not said that smart. it, but you're not disagreeing. Uh, 42 <laughs> points in 46 games played for Thomas Hurdle. So they have offense, that's for sure. But they sure as hell don't have defense because despite Eric Carlson's great offensive stats, defensively he's been kind of getting. You don't you don't play Eric Carlson for his defense. He's he's a Kale McCarr. Yeah, and, and we've had plenty of those, points. like on in, in Detroit over the last couple of years. Like that's, yeah, yeah definitely a thing. Uh, they're seventh in the Pacific Division. Just to throw that out there for you guys, they're second to last, uh, I believe. Full ahead of on the uh, Bedard train. That's Full on the sure. Bedard train. I don't blame them. If I'm Connor Bedard, I'm hoping I go to the West Coast and not like Columbus. <laughs> like, that'd be I awesome. mean, Columbus would be that would be a heck of a storyline. Johnny or Hockey Philly. and Bedard in mm-hmm. two straight off seasons. That would that would scoot along a rebuild rather nicely. I'd say that's a good point. That's a solid point. I got- think I. I think the Ducks are a perfect fit. Oh, God, it was Zegras. And, uh, God, who's that defensive prospect? McTavish uh, on the center line as well, for sure. Uh, They got a lot cooking over there. And I know, like, they're garbage this year, and that's fine. But, like, they they got some – I think him going there would be the perfect fit. But I mean, there's a lot. I mean, everyone could could use (laughs) – But hard, right? Like, it's not like a – Like, oh, like, you know, this team – He would suck here or whatever, like. Imagine the Edmonton Oilers bottoming out and then getting Connor Bedard to go with McDavid and Drysaitel. You're sick. You're a Listen, real sicko for that. We, we, I, I have strong feelings towards Edmonton and their lack of ability to develop talent. I have, yeah. I have strong feelings about that. Um, James Reimer, though, maybe is there... Buffalo will win the lotto. <laughs> then we'll never hear from Bedard ever again. Well, until he just demands a trade. Um, yeah. <laughs> James Reimer has played 26 games for them. He's got a save percentage of 895. Capo Kakonen has had 19 games. He's got a save percentage of 869. So their defense isn't very good and their goaltending is worse. So this could very well turn into a shootout as the Red Wings goal scoring has improved of late. And I think the last five or six games, they've had three or more goals with the exception of the Philadelphia Flyers game where they had one. Uh, yeah. But excluding that, they, their offense has been producing more goals. The Sharks score a lot of goals, but don't <laughs> they don't stop a lot of goals either um goaltending wise for the wings uh huso has had two back-to-back games he's got a save percentage up to 901 just a, just a hair above 900 uh as he's just just keep it a, the, if he can get back to the average of like 909 i'll be happy for sure uh, but i know magnus helberg i know Huso starting tomorrow that's not up for debate alone said so but uh magnus helberg is going to get one of the two next games after that so, yeah, because they're they're tr- yeah we got a we got a busy week and then obviously beginning of February we'll take some time off so yeah um obviously 
all-star break coming up after what this week is it next week all-star break so. oh man we're gonna have to plan out our week without hockey uh we but, already have some some ideas cooking yeah i they're 21st in the league at five on five we do have some ideas cooking cooking by the way not to dismiss what you just said um but Five on five, the Sharks are like 21st in the league. I don't know. I, I read those stats and they just mean, don't mean anything to me anymore because the Red Wings are so inconsistent that who cares? Who yeah, cares how the Sharks are good at what the Sharks are good at? They, they've, they've lost to the Blue Jackets and the Coyotes and lately, the Flyers. but they also have like outplayed the Maple Leafs. They beat the Leafs. They beat the Jets. They beat the Lightning twice. They beat who did they just beat also? The Vegas Golden Knights. Like, I don't, who knows? Don't, well, who knows what team you're getting on any given Tune night? Tune in tonight. Find yeah. out. <laughs> so all that stuff, like I, I love doing that statistical stuff at the start of the season, like break down the opponent. But at the end, it doesn't matter because we don't know what version of the Red Wings we're going to get. For real. Uh, fan duel odds on this game, Scotty. The uh, point spread, the goal spread is a, the puck line as they ha- have it is a goal and a half. And it's that for every single game ever. Yeah, that's how the, hockey works, bud. That's how the hockey. That's how hockey works because they have to factor in the empty net goal. Uh, the favorite is the plus the a goal way. and a half for the Sharks. So the Sharks are the underdog, and they think they're going to keep it to a goal and a half. Right. Yeah. It's always it's always a goal and a half in hockey and baseball, pretty much exclusively. Like there's a couple of outliers. Like I think there was a game last year when Toronto played Arizona that it went up to two and a half and everybody freaked out. And then I think the Coyotes outright won because Toronto, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, I mean, like, again, like just really piggybacks off the conversation we just had, like I, <laughs> we should win. We should probably win by, by more than a goal as well. But like, I, are, are you going to say that with confidence? Because I'm not. I, I would absolutely take the Sharks puck line as minus right. 196. Yeah, favorite I think because I think they'll a, keep a it within two. Will. <laughs> um, Red Wings are just straight out favorites, minus 150. Uh, Sharks are underdogs, plus 125 if you're taking it outright. Uh, over under Scotty. Did you say 125? 125 favorite uh, underdogs. Like that's just, you're at home and you're playing the Sharks and they're only a plus 125, man. Like, you're only a minus 150 favorite. Like that's <laughs> like compare that to compare that to the Calgary Flames who are a minus 360 favorite and the Blue Jackets a plus 280 underdog with right. the Flames at home. Like that's just That's a home game against one of the worst teams in the NHL that's trying to lose. Yeah. Uh the over under six and a half. They're it's a they're both minus odds. They they could go either way, they're thinking. Right. Yeah, I'll so. take the over. I think I'll take the over in this one too. I think this will be all offense. All, what do they say? Pedal the metal, no breaks. Right. Oh. No breaks. All gas. Until really who so, or, or until Capo Kakonen goes in as the backup and has <laughs> the game of his 25 life. save shutty. Uh, right. 50 shots, one goal. So that's uh, your FanDuel odds. Go, guys, go ahead and check those out at FanDuel Sportsbook. And then, Scotty, for us here, do you have any final thoughts? We ball. You ball. We'll be back tomorrow with a post-game recap. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.